that's what makes us tough. We keep a coming. We're the people that live. They can't wipe us out. They can't lick us. The change has started, and the change in Detroit is real. We're back! Yeah, 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 yeah. Detroit, Michigan. Here, you can actually see what you do affect a great American city, and it's, it's hopefully a historical comeback. Welcome into Opportunity Detroit. Included in our lineup today, Holly McLean, the owner of Olin Bar and Kitchen, Detroit. Jamie Hudson will stop by. It's been about four years. She's the owner and founder of City Bar. And then Freddie Diaz, painter, graffiti artist, and entrepreneur. It's all about Opportunity Detroit, and it's all right now. Detroit, Michigan. First up on Opportunity Detroit, Holly McLean, a Michigan native who honed her talent for hospitality in Chicago and in Vegas, where she played an integral role in the development and operation of five award-winning restaurants throughout this past decade. She's done a lot, and now she's doing it in Detroit. So it's a pleasure and a privilege to meet Holly McLean, the owner of Olin Bar and Kitchen, Detroit. Holly, welcome to Opportunity Detroit. Thank you. Happy to be here. Well, we're happy to have you. Talk to us a little bit about your past. Tell us about your background, and you've had a lot of achievements that you've brought with you back to Detroit. Yeah, well, I grew up downriver. I grew up in Gibraltar, Michigan. And so uh, Michigan is home. Grew up with uh, my amazing parents, my two brothers, Tommy and Brian. And I uh, went to high school, University Liggett School in Gross Point. And then I moved to Chicago for college. And uh, there I attended Lake Forest College. And um, I actually graduated pre-law and then decided my senior year that my passion for the restaurant business was a little bit greater than my passion for law. So I went on to attend Kendall College uh, in Chicago, and I received my degree in culinary arts there. I worked at a few restaurants and um, met my eventually soon-to-be husband, Sean, um, in one of his restaurants in Chicago, and then quickly uh, got right into the restaurant business there. We were married in 2006. Um, His career shortly after took us to Las Vegas, where we opened our restaurants there. you know, just kind of a quick overview. We had our two little girls, and uh, Cammy and Kylie, who are now ten and twelve. Wow! And the plan—the plan was always to move back to Michigan. So right before we had Kylie, uh, we made the move back to my hometown to be near my family. You are the first person I have ever interviewed in many, many years of interviewing that also graduated pre-law as I did and didn't go into law. <laughs> I hope that's a good sign, right? I hope it's been pretty good for me in radio, and I think it's been pretty good for you in the restaurant business, Holly McLean, and some pretty uh, special restaurants uh, over the uh, years. Uh, one shortlisted for the James Beard Best New Restaurant, the Spring Restaurant, uh, and and you had a vegetarian destination, Green Zebra. That you were kind of ahead of your time on that one, weren't you? Uh, we were a little ahead of our time on that one, but we had we had a great following in Chicago at Green Zebra. It was a excellent restaurant. Uh, we did some awesome things there, 
And, you know, eventually, as I said, our career kind of took us elsewhere and we ended up selling Green Zebra a couple of years ago, but that was a great restaurant and it's time. Did you, was the, the goal always to come back home to the Detroit area? It was. It was, it was always the goal. I, um, from the minute I went to college out there, I intended to come home. And like I said, my path took me to culinary school, which was in Chicago. And, and I met Sean, who was in Chicago, and, and he knew from the beginning that the goal was Michigan. And it just took a little while to make it happen. Holly re-entered the dynamic and explosive culinary scene in Detroit in 2019, opening Highland Steakhouse and Hearth 71 at the top floors of the General Motors Rensen. And you've leveraged your front-of-house expertise to develop the, the hospitality culture and training uh, protocol for the venue, which you've used in all of your properties now and rather successfully. I want to know, uh, as much as you can tell us, about the Olin Bar and Kitchen Detroit, and maybe start with how the name Olin came about. Sure. Uh, Olin is, um, it actually means holly in Old English. So um, the restaurant has always been, the concept of Olin has always been something in the back of my mind since culinary school days. I always wanted to return back home to Metro Detroit and open a restaurant downtown, uh, a small, local, fun, lively, approachable restaurant. Um, When the location was brought to my attention, it was during the process of opening Highlands. Uh, So we were a little bit busy at the time, but the location, I just couldn't pass it up. It was perfect. We are a block off of Woodward, directly behind the Shinola Hotel. We face the new Hudson site. So the restaurant is, it's in a old uh, puppet theater. So we completely redid the space, created a casual restaurant, comfortable, cool vibe. It's a American brasserie concept, um, which again, as we we're opening Highlands and this came about, I just knew that this was kind of that restaurant that I had always hoped to open, just something comfortable in downtown. The menu has a little bit of something for everybody. We have a great wine list, an exciting cocktail program. We share an alley with Shinola called Parker's Alley, and it's a brick pave alley. It has a couple little shops, and we also put off the side of Olin a to-go window um, called Twist, where we serve warm, soft pretzels, all baked in-house, burgers mm. and cocktails to go out of that twist window. So just, you know, an additional twist to the concept coming off of the side of Olin. Is it is it just my imagination or is brasserie uh, a term used more in Europe than it is here in these it United is. States? And, and why would that be? No, I don't know. And and you are right. It is. I guess I would equate it more here to the word bistro that we're a little bit more used to hearing. Mm-hmm. Well, that makes sense. And and how do you define brasserie then? And or bistro for that matter? Bistro. I mean, I guess the overall Olin concept just kind of defines it something that is approachable, American uh, brasserie, kind of just a fun downtown casual eatery. I would say. How many people can you seat? Forget about the pandemic numbers because we don't know what they'll be. <laughs> right. We have no idea what they'll right. be tomorrow. But what, what, what are you seating? We can seat inside about 140 guests, including the bar and lounge. So we have a, a bar and lounge area that has some couch seating, um, some banquette seating, our full bar, and then 
So that's about 140 in-house. And then we also are starting our patio seating shortly. So that would add to the capacity there as well. And that'll be, you know, that's one thing. I mean, there's several things that have come out from the pandemic, some some very bad, some very good. And one of them is that uh, any restaurants that didn't have out-of-door seating have learned kind of a tough lesson that they really should if they can because uh, if if nothing else, we have learned to really want to eat outside these days, especially as the weather gets nicer and nicer. Absolutely. And we're looking forward to that as well, to getting the patio going full-time rather than just guests sitting out there with a couple heaters. Uh, it'll be nice to see it in action. I think it will be nice. How were you overall impacted by the pandemic? We've heard horror stories for fellow restaurateurs. We've also heard um, about uh, how hard it is now to get people to work. I've coined, uh, I've coined SOS. The new SOS is short on staff. How about, <laughs> how about for you? Yeah, that's a little bit true. The the pandemic had a huge impact on our on our business, starting with our construction timeline. Uh, right when the first shutdown happened, we were um, a couple months out from opening the restaurant. We had to completely shut down our construction. Uh, so that was tough. We opened probably nine months later than what we expected. And at this point, we have never been open at full capacity. So when we opened in September, we opened at 50%. We were open for 50 days and then shut down again. So it hurt. A new restaurant, we look for that excitement and word of mouth during an opening to really get going. And we really didn't get that. But we opened again, shut down again, um, and again, still seeing only 50%. The traffic downtown has been impacted. So we have not opened for lunch yet, but I'm excited to do this soon. Uh, the labor and staffing has been challenging, but honestly, that being said, we have a very solid and loyal core team that opened with us since day one, and I'm super proud of them. They stuck it out through all the challenges, and they're doing an amazing job. I'm I'm very concerned, but don't get overly concerned. I worry about everything, and one of the things I'm worried about <laughs> is, is getting uh, the city of Detroit back on its feet while we're still going to have some people who have learned through the pandemic, they don't really need all those people in all those buildings. And right. if if a lot of people don't come back because they can work from home wherever it might be, that's going to affect all of you, all the new restaurants, sure. all of the old restaurants. And we already know that we've lost a lot of restaurants. Right. Yeah, absolutely. You know, we're just, we're just trying to stay hopeful and, and hope that people are going to come back to work and, I think as time goes on, everybody wants to get back to a sense of normalcy. And yeah. you know, we see we see a lot of business on the weekends, the week, during the week, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. I would love to see more people walking around downtown. But, again, I'm hopeful that with the games coming back, the stadiums coming back, we're going to see more people that, you know, with a nice weather coming that just want to get out and about. Holly McLean is the owner. Holly, by the way, originally from Gibraltar. Uh, with her husband, Sean, and her children, Cammie and Kylie. Uh, she has uh, Olin Bar and Kitchen, Detroit. Could you walk us through the menu? Just a quick uh, uh, a quick uh, stroll through your men- menu of your items you're most proud of. Sure, absolutely. So the menu, we, we have a couple different sections to the menu. We start with, um, we have a starter section. We have a little cheese section to the menu, and we have a main section to the menu. 
um, some of the, some of the items that people really are loving. We have a mi- wild mushroom pate, and that does go back to our green zebra days. We have uh, potato and artichokes bravas. We have a charred octopus dish that, that guests love. Um, our cheese section, we always feature a cheese board with different cheeses. We have a, a burrata dish, a warm baked Michigan goat cheese dish. Our main courses, we have steak frites, we have a bucatini, we have a, a whole bronzino, we have a roasted chicken dish, and we also have, uh, we feature paella every day, which is something a little bit different. We do a seafood paella, a meat paella, veggie paella. So we, uh, we have a bunch of different things on the menu, something for everybody to try. I can tell you this, <laughs> my mouth is watering. So that, that's a good sign. Well, congratulations. We can find you right behind Shinola Hotel. We can uh, go online to Olin, O-L-I-N, OlinDetroit.com, OlinDetroit.com, which is where you'll find Holly McLean at Olin Bar and Kitchen Detroit. Thanks for being with us on Opportunity Detroit. We wish you nothing but great success. Thank you. I appreciate it. As we continue on Opportunity Detroit. Judson is the owner and founder of City Bar, a community pet supply store that originally opened, and I remember it well, in the village of Gross Point, before moving to downtown Detroit's Capitol Park. Was that, uh, Jamie, was that about four years ago? It was, yeah, and I was on your your, uh, show right after we opened four years ago, so it is nice to be back. Well, Jamie Judson, uh, the owner and founder of City Bark, we're thrilled to have you back, and I assume things have been going well. Yeah, they have been. Um, I mean, obviously a little a little slow down with COVID, but everything is kind of picking back up, um, and we've been able to kind of get creative with the store and add some add some new services for our customers. Let me explain, and then I'm going to turn it over to you to tell us even more, because I'm sure there have been changes over these four years, but City Bark, as I recall, a brick-and-mortar and online store focused on supplies for city-living cats and dogs. And I was amazed four years ago, still amazed today, that no one had really uh, keyed in on that. And I guess there weren't enough people living downtown Detroit years ago that we would be concerned about that, but with the growth of the city and the growth of the number of people living downtown and being able to have their pets... It's worked out beautifully for City Bark. Meanwhile, pick up on that. Tell us the rest of the story. Uh, yeah, so we opened in Capitol Park four years ago. Um, we do. Um, we have supplies for cats and dogs. Um, definitely a growing business for cats as well. Um, you know, we carry food, treats, litter, collars, toys, all of that. Um, but we also really strive to be a one-stop shop for Detroit pet owners. Um, Like you mentioned, there's not a lot of services downtown to meet the needs of them. Um, So we try to kind of um, pick up where we can on that. So we do things like we offer free same-day local delivery. We've recently added full-service grooming, um, a self-serve wash in our store. And then um, obviously... Wait a minute. Wait wait a minute. Wait wait a minute. Yes? You just said a self-serve wash... In the store, yeah. I some I I picture people standing up and in the old days they'd put a bunch of quarters in a machine, like when they would do their own car. 
What what exactly? How do you do a self serve wash at your location? You mean yeah, people sure. bring their pets in and are able to do the bath themselves? Yeah, I mean, living. I live downtown, living in an apartment. It's super hard to wash your pet in some of these shower setups that we have. Um, so we have a big tub at the store, and people can reserve a time slot. Come in, they get access to the tub, apron, um, shampoos, conditioners, ear cleaners, um, our blow dryers, a grooming table, everything they need to um, clean and groom the the pet themselves. And there's like a charge for doing that? There is. It goes by weight, and it starts at uh, fifteen for the uh, for a small dog. Um, and basically, that's just for you know time and materials. Sure. And there's a lot of materials there. That's good. And, yeah. and yeah, if I recall, too, uh, Jamie Judson, you, you, your, your whole idea of City Bark was built on the, on the idea, the foundation, if you would, of that owning a pet shouldn't be difficult. And you make pet ownership easier. And that means that people are going to have more time to enjoy with their pet. And it's, a, it's fun to visit the store. Yeah. Yeah. We want to, you know, I always, owning a pet should be fun, like you said. So we want your experience in the store to reflect that. We want you and your pet to want to come spend time in our store and we want you to leave with products or, you know, get services that kind of just allow pet ownership to be easier. You know, pet food, like everything, uh, has grown. There used to be a few people selling pet food. Now there are hundreds of different mm-hmm. brands and all of that. Do you come down on the side of one or two uh, dog foods and one or two cat foods and things like that? So we um, we do a lot of research into the different brands that we carry. And we don't, I mean, across the board, not just with food, but with treats um, and even litter, um, thing that we we stand by and we can explain to you why we believe in that brand and why we think it would be good for your pet. So um, we go through a lot of training with anyone we bring on so that we're recommending a quality food that's going to meet the needs of your pet, not just something, you know, we want to sell and get it off the shelves and move on to the next sale. It's really important to us that we're providing someone um, with, you know, meeting the demand or meeting whatever they need, whether it's their dog is, a, you know, or they have a puppy, they need puppy food, uh, their dog needs to lose weight, their dog has allergies, we want to create kind of a, um, a, a feeding regimen to help them with that. I know that you're, you're talking about very uh, upper-end, highly specialized foods, because that's what people are very interested in very much, but there is a commercial And unfortunately, if I can't remember the product, it's not that good a commercial. But I do remember the commercial, and I get a kick out of it, when the announcer says, we need to talk, and he's talking to a bunch of different dogs. And when he says, your dog food has spray-on flavor and ground uh, uh, meat or whatever, and the one dog turns and looks at you and drops the ball that's in his mouth. I don't know (laughs) if you've seen seen that commercial. It's well done, but it... I can't remember the product. It's some sort of dog food. So you're involved with what would have to be upper-end foods. You're talking with people who spend the money to groom their dogs or come in and do the self-serve wash. Uh, what mm-hmm. sets you apart from the other pet stores? Um, 
I mean, kind of everything we've mentioned here. So we, we want a great experience. We want it to be fun and enjoyable. We want to be that one-stop shop, um, you know, make things easier for the pet owners. And then just with everything we do, really quality over quantity. So especially with the new services that we're offering, with grooming, um, you know, pets love our store. They associate it with this fun adventure. So we kind of want everything that we do to have that same good, fun adventure experience for them. And I want to make sure no one uh, misunderstands. I said pet store, but it's pet supply store so yes. that, th- nope. so that yes. they understand. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we do have, um, we hold adoption events, but we do not um, sell pets in the store. Gotcha. Uh, but, but you could help people in, in all aspects of their pets. You clearly... Uh, Jamie, from our conversation four, four and a half, whatever it was years ago, you're, you couldn't be a, a doing what you're doing and devote your life to it if you weren't a pet lover. You are, clearly. I am, yes. I have two, uh, two big dogs, and uh, there is a bird at the store named Cleo. She is a 30-year-old cockatoo, wow. and she is also my, my pet, <laughs> wow. my child. Yeah, 30-year-old cockapoo. That's great. What would you say just, I don't mean for you to pick your favorite uh, breed, but what breeds in terms of dogs seem to be doing very well right now? Um, I mean, I can tell you from the grooming salon, the dogs that we're seeing coming in, um, the more popular breeds, um, definitely all of the doodles, whether it's a golden doodle, a sheep doodle, an Aussie doodle. Um, we have tons of those coming into the store. We always have what we call the Detroit special. So those mutts that are, you know, a little bit of everything, usually a little bit shepherd, pit, chow, lab. Um, and lately we've been seeing a lot of um, Yorkshire Terriers coming through. I just, I just met a dog yesterday that I loved and I can't remember exactly what it was, but it was small, and mm-hmm. I, it wasn't a puppy any longer. It was small, and it was an Australian something blank something doodle. I have no, <laughs> I have no idea what it was, but it was yeah. a, it was a great dog. There are so many new. I I don't mean this in a negative way. I'm just I don't know a better way to describe it. But designer type. Uh, breeds of dogs that are out there now. There are, yes. We see a lot of that. So anyway, um, and you want to take good care of your dog, and they're going to get special attention at City Bark, which is, as I mentioned, brick and mortar, uh, and an online store focusing on supplies for city-living cats and dogs. They have different needs, don't they, being city dwellers? Yeah, they do. I mean, they don't have the backyard. Um, You know, they're going on regular walks. They're going to the dog park. uh, They're living in typically smaller living quarters. So it is a it it is a different demographic than, you know, we would have seen at the Gross Point store. And you're proudly a women or woman because you're one woman (laughs) owned (laughs) owned business in Detroit. Committed to giving back to the community, partnering with local animal rescue groups through awareness campaigns, fundraising efforts, and weekly, as you mentioned, weekly in-store adoption events. Uh, You're always open online and open seven days a week at the flagship location in Capitol Park, where leashed pets are always welcome. In fact, they're not just welcome, they're encouraged, aren't they? 
They are, yeah. We love when they come visit us. It's, it's probably the favorite, our everyone's favorite part of the job. Well, and it's and I imagine that it's the pet's favorite part of their day because they're coming into a place they're familiar with. They'll see some cousins, and they're not going <laughs> to get a shot, generally speaking, like if they were going to the vet. Right. Yes, exactly. They're going to get a treat. Usually they leave with some treats, some toys, uh, food, and then they get to see some friends along the way. So it is a good experience. City Bark is a lot. There's a lot going on. But do you have some future plans for City Bark? Um, so right now we are very focused on that new grooming service. Um, there has been quite the demand there. So we're working on hiring, um, another groomer to, you know, get, get more appointments, um, service to the neighborhood. We're also working on bringing in some additional services that people have been asking for. So, um, obedience classes, we're actually partnering with a dog masseuse. Um, and then um, we do have a few other things planned, but, you know, you'll just have to follow us to find <laughs> yeah, out. You'll, you'll, let us, you'll let us know and come back on the show when you have any yeah, special... Yeah, I'll be back in four years. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't have to wait four more years. But, hey, do people... I, I'm going to let you go after this, but do people bring in pictures of dogs when, when they're grooming and they say, can you make my dog look like this, like, like people do with celebrities for themselves? <laughs> yeah, people are very particular about what they want their dog to look like when they come out of the salon, which is great. Direction is always great. And, yes, we do see, see pictures of um, other dog, dog inspiration for their, <laughs> their groom. Oh, that's great. Uh, and the dogs have their own say about this, I suppose, too. The, uh, the, uh, yeah. the, the place to go, City Bark, flagship location, Capitol Park, online, City Detroit Bark, CityDetroitBark.com. And that's where you'll find the owner and founder of City Bark, Jamie Hudson. Jamie, thanks for being with us. Thank you. I'll talk to you again, but I'm not going to wait four years. Okay, we'll talk soon. Thank you. Uh, As we continue on Opportunity Detroit. Our next guest, final guest for today's Opportunity Detroit, is a painter. He's a graffiti artist, he's an entrepreneur. He is Freddie Diaz. Freddie, welcome to the program. Hey, Paul. Thanks for having me. I, I really appreciate you guys for the opportunity. It is my pleasure. And in all my years, I I don't think there's been, if if ever, maybe one person who identified as a graffiti artist as one of our guests on any of my shows. But I understand you come from a graffiti background since 2005. Tell me about that. Well, um, I grew up in Detroit uh, my whole life, and so uh, I think, like, uh, early on, I, I went to public school, all Detroit public schools. I came up through the Detroit public school system, so, like, uh, it was what kind of was around me, you know, I kind of it was kind of my environment. It was uh, graffiti and gangs, and, you know, I grew up in Mexican town a little bit on the border side of Dearborn, and so, like, towards Woodmere area, and so, like, it was just kind of a cultural thing, like, I... I it was just my environment, and, and I just kind of, like, I was always intrigued in how these people got up on certain places and the art of placement, and that was, like, what 
it's kind of like marketing, but like black market marketing. It was like to me, it was like the way that I saw it as a kid. It was it was it was something that I never would have imagined that would have helped me, you know, kind of transition into something more than what I had seen it as as a kid. And so, um, but it was just always in my environment. It's just something that subconsciously just was around me, and so I kind of like started doing it like that. And um, obviously, as the city's been, you know, progressing. I think that everybody that's been living here has also been progressing, and you know that that's always great. You know, I, but we all looked at graffiti the way you just described it a moment ago. You grew up uh, around graffiti and gangs, and graffiti was not a highly regarded art form. It was, in fact, something that people had uh, outlawed and fined people when they were caught, and then painted over it. And, and you know, graffiti doesn't have. Uh, historically, a great positive reputation. It didn't. But now you're an internationally renowned artist with this graffiti. How did that change? And and how did you recognize that you were doing something that was no longer thought to be uh, like vandalizing uh, a property, but but turning it into a beautiful work of art? I look at it like, I'm going to give you just a, I don't know if it's the best example, but I think that uh, it's like being, Mike Tyson is a great example. I think before he, be, he met a trainer and he became, you know, the great Iron Mike, you know, he was punching people in the face before he knew he had this gift. And so I think what I realized about graffiti and graffiti artists in general is that there is a lot more talent than there is, you know, malice behind it. And so... You know, growing up in, in the city I grew up in, I think that the platforms just didn't exist. And I, I, I had to understand that it was what I needed to do to get to where I wanted to be in my as my launch pad. But transitioning, you know, making the transition and, and, and I think uh, creating more opportunities for myself through that upbringing. And, and also, like, you know, c- kind of like along the way, also trying to, like, untaint the, the fame that graffiti has and 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 that's always been, you know, kind of try to explain to people and say, hey, you know, uh, graffiti isn't always labeled that it's labeled as blight, but I don't I don't think it's blight. I think it's just a lack of resource in a community. And I think that, you know, when when you know things are applicable and and the opportunities are given to to these artists, I think that you know you're able to see a huge turnaround. And you know, I, I want to be if one of those examples and. You know, I want to lead by example, not just by coming on here and talking about it, you know. You know, you you have just given a, a, an absolutely spectacular way for us to look at this by using the example of Mike Tyson. Before somebody guided him and trained him with his special deadly skills, he was a thug punching people in the face. He became a professional and won hundreds of millions of dollars by doing what before the training and guidance, called, they called him a thug. Then he was now a professional fighter. So you were doing graffiti, which you associated in your own words with, you know, the neighborhood and gangs and all of that. And you made that transition into now being an internationally acclaimed artist. And, and I'm just wondering if there was was there a person uh, in your life that helped make that change, or did you make that through your own observations? Uh, 
this is this has been a result of many people. I I I got to give credit to a lot of people who helped me, who I met along the way. They gave me the opportunities, and I think that you know the the greatest thing I could have done from getting those opportunity was like those opportunities was taking advantage. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm always a student. I always like to consider myself somebody that can learn something from anybody. And so, you know, I, I give credit to more than one person for, for everything. Like I see it. It's, it's something to see on your resume, the, the work you've done with companies like General Motors, Ernst and Young, our friends at Lear Corporation, Adidas—it's just astonishing, and it's taken you uh, to Italy, France, Portugal, Netherlands, Denmark, Sweden, Cuba, Colombia, Mexico. The list goes on and on. It's truly an incredible, uh, really American dream kind of story built around graffiti. That's something. Yeah, I, I think I think it. I consider myself like a pioneer in a sense because. Uh, you know, my parents were immigrants, so, like, when they first got here, you know, they came here with the purpose of, like, you know, I'm first generation, so they're like, all right, well, you know, here we are making this sacrifice for you. You got to go be a doctor or a lawyer, and, like, there's nothing less. No less. You got to be something crazy, and so, like, when I told them I wanted to do art, because that, even then, you know, I wasn't, you know, I was a kid. I was, I didn't really, like, really understand what the full, it wasn't, there wasn't a, uh, uh, a foundation or a structure of how I could make a living off art yet. And so, I mean, again, you know, this, all this stuff's been happening in the last at least maybe eight to nine years. And so, um, you know, like my parents were really hard on me too. And so that pushed me to, to get out of, out of the city. That's how I got to Europe. I, I kind of took a leap of faith where, you know, I, the, the, the things that I wanted in the future I saw for myself didn't exist here yet. And so I had to kind of go look for it somewhere else. And I and and one thing I can say, and I can and this applies in anything. It's like when you look for something and you chase it, the universe conspires towards it. So you'll meet who you have to meet along the way. If you're doing the right things, you'll realize that you'll like the universe is working with you, not against you. And you'll you'll stand, you'll you'll like by fate start to meet the people that you need to be around. And work with the people you need to be around, and and I think that that formula for me, at least for me, like it's never failed me. It's never done me wrong. I, I anytime I look for something, and and trying to push myself and be a better person, I end up finding you know, or opportunities also tend to find me where I'm in the room where I'm around the person that I need to be around, and then boom, like cool stuff happens, and and like I'm I'm super grateful. Once if you're able to pick that up, like, and, and I think I. I picked that up very young, and so that that was, like, key for me. That was, like, the, the pivot point for me that changed everything. Freddie Diaz is with us, a painter, graffiti artist, entrepreneur. He's a detriter through and through. Have you ever been arrested for some of your graffiti work in your early days? Yeah, man. I I got to give a lot of props to my mom because, I, I like my again, both of my parents work full-time, so... I really put my mom through a lot. Like I got her, I always get in trouble, but you know, if I could go back and change things, I, I don't think I would because you know, a lot of people, I, I realized like I had a purpose and whether I had no direction at the time, I realized like everything I went through to get to where I am, you know, taught me something. And so, 
you know, even to still be here and value it, you know, because a lot of people, you know, they kind of shy away from it if once they become established artists. But I, I've always wanted to be an advocate and just, you know, be grateful for the upbringing. I think that what you go through, you know, creates a solid foundation for who you're going to become. And I think that, that that for me is like everything. Like I even now when I get to work with corporations and stuff, I think that the things that I went with, you know, went through early on in my life have taught me things that you can't learn in, in the bigger fields. And so, you know, I'm, I'm super grateful. With that thought in mind, what other advice might you give to aspiring artists? I, I would say uh, now, don't be afraid to try. I think I would encourage people to go out and do graffiti now. I think, uh, I think there's a lot more resources now, and, and I think that that, to me, makes me so happy because I think that everything we've been fighting for is, as a collective of artists, not just me, but, you know, there's so many gifted uh, artists like Tony Hooligan, Shifi, you know, uh, Sidney James, the list goes on, and uh, these people inspire me on, on a daily basis, and I think that now there's there's so many resources that for young artists, like, for one, just don't be afraid to be yourself. Uh, I think that the more you become in tune with yourself, the more opportunities you'll create, and you'll have a lot more fun than comparing yourself to somebody else, and then you know, uh, and, 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 you know, just don't be afraid to, to, to be vocal either. I think that networking is, is goes hand in hand with being creative. And I think that, you know, everything should be co- like a full circle when it comes to, you know, creating art. Is there anything uh, that you're especially excited about coming up in the next year? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I've been doing a lot of, uh, Honestly, like, even over over quarantine, I've been doing a lot more stuff that's been personal. Uh, I a lot of my you know business and 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 work stems around you know working with clients and and doing you know commission commissioned uh, freelance artwork. But like as of late, like you know over the pandemic or whatever, I've been able to just kind of sit at home and like you know marinate on, on things I want to do and like you know have a lot more creative freedom on on ideas and. And I think that that's been, you know, I think it's the ultimate gift is having freedom where I'm not, you know, necessarily constricted on, you know, oh, I have to, these are my lim- limited stuff that I have to do. And so um, I've been able to just do a lot of, a lot of free work, a lot, a lot of stuff that, that I think represents me, things that I, I want to do. And, you know, I think I'm going to be doing a lot more of that because, you know, I think that it's, it's helping refine my skills. It's, it's building more consistency in my, in my brand. Yeah. And, you know, and I'm, and I'm happy. You know, genuinely, I'm just, I'm, I'm learning to become a lot more happier with, Good for with you. creating. Good for you. Thank that's you. a, that's a, that's a great growth uh, note that you've just given us. Freddie Diaz, a Detroiter through and through. You can find him at swfreddy.com, S-W-F-R-E-D-D-Y.com. Thank you so much, Freddie. We appreciate it. Continued success to you, my friend. Likewise, man. Thank you so much for having me. It is truly my pleasure. And that's it for today's Opportunity Detroit. Thanks, Holly McLean, owner of Olin Bar and Kitchen Detroit. Jamie Hudson, the owner and founder of City Bark. And Freddie Diaz, the painter, graffiti artist, entrepreneur indeed, for finishing up this edition of Opportunity Detroit uh, with the special people and the special work taking place to redefine our city. And we especially thank you for following us along the way. And I hope you'll listen to me Monday through Friday mornings on WJR as well. Regards, Paul W. Smith.